Today we consider the state space and the design of uh, control systems in state space. And that's more or less uh, designing in the time domain. So first we will uh, discuss the state space description of dynamical systems. Then we will consider state feedback, pole placement and optimization. Uh, well, as an example, we start with a fir simple first order uh, transfer function, first order system, written in a form that each element is as simple as it can be. So we only have one integrator and three gains. And when we write a differential equation for such a system, we can write it as the derivative of x, which is the output of the integrator, is a times x plus b times u, and i is c times x. So that's a very simple first order system, and the big advantage of the state space description is that things uh, are not going to be much more difficult, because when we use a matrix notation, everything remains first order, but then in matrix notation. A second order system can also be written like this. So we add a block uh, k prime over s plus a now, before an integrator. We define uh, state variables, and we come back to that later. A state variable is typically the output of an element which has memory, so the integrator 1 over s uh, is an element with memory. If you put something in, depending upon what was the input before, it gets a certain state, you could say. Mm -hmm. And that state is x1, and the derivative of the state is x1 dot. And so we can also assign a state here, x2, This is not x2 dot, because we have seen before that we can split this up in a block k prime, then 1 over s with a in the feedback. So we have seen that before, and because we now have a plus here, we need a minus sign here before the a. So the derivative of x1 is equal to x2, and the derivative of x2 is minus a times x2 plus k prime times u, and again y is 1 times x1. We can write this in, uh, in matrix notation, so uh, the derivative of uh, x1 is 0 times x1, 1 times x2, and the derivative of x2 is 0 times x1, minus a times x2, plus k prime times u, and y is 1 times x1. So this is for a second order system, and when we write this matrix as A, and this one as B, and now when we use matrices, and, uh, and this is more dimensional, we use it in, in bold, uh, then this is a state space equation in matrix uh, description, and still it's the same equation as we saw in the former sheet, mm -hmm. which is a first order system, this is a second order system, but it's a first-order matrix uh, equation. And this we call the state-space description. That can be extended to more inputs and more outputs as well. But in this course, we mainly consider single-input, single-output systems. So if we have a number of uh, first-order systems, as indicated here with the, the double lines, so this is not one integrator, this is a number of integrators, this is the complete A matrix, We can even draw a block diagram of such a system and again represent that in equations as x dot is a times x plus b times u. Well, they used here a capital B. It should have been a lowercase b. Uh, 
because if it's a capital B, we ha- can have more more inputs U. Hmm? Then B becomes a matrix with more columns than uh, than only one. Hmm? So to generalize this, for single input, single output systems, U, the input signal is a scalar, Y, the output signal is a scalar, and X is the state vector with dimension N by 1, where N is the number of uh, of independent states in the system. A, the system matrix has dimensions N by by 1N, the B, the input matrix or vector, is, is N by 1, and C, the output matrix is 1 by N. In this case, we, uh, we have all the lines double. So in this case, we have more inputs, more outputs. So we talk about a multi-input, multi-output system. Then U is also... Let me see... Yeah, U is, is, is a vector now, it's not a scalar. B is a matrix. Y is also a vector. Uh, with with, uh, with P, uh, P elements here, and the states remain the same. System matrix remains N by N. B has a dimension M extra, and C as the dimension P extra. So we can also give a formal definition of a state. The state X at the time T0 of a system at T is T0 is the minimal amount of information that is necessary to describe the behavior of the system for times greater than T0 if also the inputs and the state equations are known. So if you know A and you know U, you have to know the initial conditions of the differential equation to uh, to solve things. And that's exactly what, what the state is in general. Eh? State can be other things as well. But in the most simple case, you can say, well, the state is the initial conditions of the differential equations. It's also the minimal amount of information. Uh, you can have more state variables, but then these can be combinations of other state variables. Every combination of a state vari- of two state variables or more state variables is a new state variable again. There's always a minimum number needed to give a complete description of the system. So state variables are not unique. Any linear combination of state variables is a state variable again. And as I said, the initial conditions of the integrators in the system are state variables. Just like in block diagrams, we can draw different shapes of block diagrams that leads to different types of matrix descriptions. So when we have a number of elements in series, so we have first order elements in series, we can make a description. Uh, well, we have seen how to do that. So here are the equations, and when we transfer that to a matrix equation, we see that the, uh, the eigenvalues, the poles, are on the diagonal here. We get a 1 here, and again the B and C are similar as we have seen before. So the eigenvalues we see on the diagonal, but the matrix is not the most simple one because we, we have some, some ones here, and yeah, we make things more complex. We will see what happens then. What has changed now, in this case we had the K prime on the signal U, 
we can also move it to the output. Well, in that case, we just uh, have almost similar equations. The A matrix never changes because A matrix um, determines the dynamics of the system. That's a typical property of the system. And it's not dependent what we do here. The only thing we see is that the K prime moves from here to there. Then the parallel form. That's a form you don't often see in in the typical layout, but it's a very uh, handy form if you want to determine certain uh, characteristics of the system. And it's also it also leads to the most simple uh, description, because if you make the state space description of the system, this leads to an A matrix with only the poles of the system on the diagonal. B and C are now fully filled. There are no zeros anymore here. If there would be any zero, for instance, suppose that B1 would be zero, mm -hmm. we would never be able to change the state X1 by changing the in input signal. So such a system we uh, call not completely controllable. So X1 is not controllable when B1 is zero and X2 is not controllable when B2 is zero. The same with C1 and C2, but then observable. X1 is not observable from Y if C1 would be zero. Yeah. And if you transform a system from, for instance, the series form to the parallel form, you could see in some cases that B1 or C1 or any of these elements is becoming zero and that means that you have something strange in the system. You hmm? can't the system. Yeah. And that, uh, th that could happen, for instance, if you have a series connection and you have a pole zero cancellation. Hmm? Mm -hmm. So if you have a pole and you have an another block with a zero, if the pole is cancelled by the zero, there is a state hmm? you, you, you cannot change or you can't observe, depending upon the configuration. Hmm? This is, as I said, the, the most simple values if you want to determine the most characteristic properties of the system. These are the uh, poles in control terms and in S domain terms. It also is called the eigenvalues, which is a, a matrix property. But the eigenvalues directly relate to the poles of the system. Then we have the phase variable form. That's an interesting form we will uh, use also for uh, control purposes, for, for filtering, for instance. In this case, we have a, a row of integrators, just integrators in the forward path, no other elements. And the feedback goes from the first integrator and the second integrator and the nth integrator to the input here. That leads to a description. Uh, and we have defined the states x1 and x2 as indicated here. And if you write your state space differential equations like this, you see already that here is a zero. And then you can immediately write the uh, A matrix 0, 1, minus A1, minus A2 here. Yeah. And we see in this case that we have all, these are not the eigenvalues anymore. Hmm? But we have all the, the elements which are not equal to 0 or 1 on the lowest row. Hmm? And what's another important property, and we come back to that later, that the state variables in this case are derivatives of the output. So we will see that later on, but suppose you make this a very fast system, eh, that the output is very similar to the, to the input, mm -hmm. then the output is a kind of estimate of the input, 
And so here you can measure then the derivative of the output and the second derivative of the output, which is a kind of estimate of the derivative of the input. But you would do a differentiation here without differentiation. Hmm? You only have integrators, but still you can do a differentiation. Hmm? Because in in the... nor in in continuous time, nor in discrete time systems, you you can make a real... Differentiation. You always have some, some time constant related to the differentiation because pure differentiation means that you have to look into the future, hmm? yeah. which is impossible unless you make systems where you predict something. Hmm? Yeah. So in this case, we have a derivative, but there's always the, the second order behavior related to that as well. Hmm? We, we come back to that later. Hmm? Of course, we can make systems a little bit more complex hmm, by adding also uh, zeros. Uh, then Mason's rule, uh, we have seen that before, Mason's rule helps us with uh, determining the, the state space description. So we divide uh, by uh, S squared, which gives us this expression. And then looking at uh, Mason's rule, which says that we have uh, the forward path 1 plus forward path 2 divided by m- 1 minus L1 minus L2. So there are two loops. A loop with gain minus 2 and a loop with gain minus 3. So this is the, this part. Now we have to do the, uh, the upper part. P1 plus P2. In this case we have uh, 2 over S squared and we have 1 over S. This is one way to do it. We can also do it in a different way. Same equation, same uh, same path, same same loops, but then we do it here in the beginning. Eh? Instead of putting the two at the at here, we can put the two there, and we can feed forward the u into the system. Or we could do in this case uh, use uh, derivatives of the output in the output signal. Hmm? Yeah. There's just two ways of doing, leading to different, different equations. The same we can do with the phase variable form. Before we had a number of uh, integrators uh, in the forward path. They all fed back to the input of the first integrator. In this case we can do it like this. And that, uh, that leads also to a different uh, form. In the phase variable form, it's very easy. We we have all derivatives here, so we can just feed forward derivatives. And that leads to descriptions where we uh, we see more than one element being unequal to zero. This is the uh, representation of the zero in the state space description. And when we do that for an n order system, we see that we have in the lowest row all the uh, the a terms. We have uh, a lot of zeros, and we have ones just uh, at the just above the diagonal. And the alternative uh, representation, where we instead of uh, using signals to derivatives 
influencing the output. We can also have uh, inputs influencing uh, here derivatives. And that gives us a more or less similar form. So I go just quickly through it. Where we have now the first uh, column filled with the uh, the A's. And we have the uh, the zero here in, in the U. Yeah. Well, you can see that for yourself. Uh, just play with it. Yeah. It's just to make a, a kind of list of possibilities. Here we come back on the state variable filter. As I said, uh, this is not a w only a way to describe an arbitrary system, but special forms. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, second order or third order systems with a shape like this. Uh, are called state variable filters if certain conditions are fulfilled. The first condition is that you choose an omega n squared and suppose you want to use this as a filter to make a derivative and to, to, to find state variables. Mm. Then if we have a certain input uh, u, we want to give this system enough bandwidth that it reliably describes the uh, behavior of the input u. If we use this as a filter, u is the output of an a physical system and eh? we have a, have a plant we want to control we, we can measure the output so we, for instance we can measure the temperature in this room and if you want to know the derivative of the temperature we could add a filter like this eh? so this is the output of the uh, of the room the temperature we put this into this filter and then if we want to make a reliable estimate the bandwidth of this filter eh? the, the, the speed with which it reacts must be high enough eh? so that determines omega n and for a, a good state variable filter, we choose z equal to 0.7 okay. in the second order case. That leads to this uh, description. And as I said, in case uh, y is 1 times x, 0, 1, so that means that y is x2. So that's this case. We have the derivative of x1. Y is x1 dot is an approximation of the derivative of u. Okay. We can, uh, can demonstrate that. So we will first uh, see what happens when we just uh, look at the state variable filter without any noise. But if you differentiate you always have problems with noise so we will see what, what happens then so first the uh, state variable filter uh, without any noise there it is so here we see the structure the uh, this is my, uh, my my process. It's also a second order process, uh, but it has a slightly different structure than the state variable filter. The state variable filter I have implemented in uh, in a formula model. Mm -hmm. You see, uh, recognize the the omega squared two z, where z is 0.7, and we compare the output. First of all, the, the output of the process and the output of the state variable filter. So in this case, we do not do any differentiation yet. Yeah. And we see that, uh, well, apparently blue must be the, the plant. Mm -hmm. 
the input of the state variable filter, so the output of the plant, and red is the output of the state variable filter. So this is not a very good estimate. So we have to look at the uh, omega. We increase that uh, to a value, uh, well, say, uh, I'll let make it stamp times faster. This is a situation where omega is 10 times faster. You see that the estimate is already much better, and we can increase the uh, increase it further. Let's say uh, 100. And then we almost see no difference anymore. And then they are almost the same. So this indicates that choose a high omega and you have a perfect uh, state estimation. Of course, we can look at the derivative as well. We add a curve and we go to the state variable filter and we take the factor x and we show all elements. So here we have x1 and x2. So x1 we have already, so we can delete x1. We want to see x2 as well. I will make this a bit uh, thicker. And here you see the derivative. And of course we can compare that with the, uh, the real derivative. So we have to, uh, to add our uh, first order block transfer function. And the output was the, uh, the other state. Let me make this. So three, and you see that these are just on top of each other as well. Yeah. So we can go back to a value of ten for comparison. And now we see also the delay here. A, a good state variable filter is comparable more or less with a pure delay between the signals. So this seems to be just a delayed signal. Okay, now we are going to add noise. Here we have the same situation, but now with noise added to the, uh, to the output here. And the derivatives I have now here in a separate uh, figure. So we run the simulation. We see here, well, this is probably the case where uh, omega is 10. And we can check that. Yeah, omega is 10. So this is the original signal. And we see that the state variable filter has a little bit delay. But indeed has quite good filtering of the, uh, the signal. This is the, uh, the real derivative in the system. There's no noise on it, on the blue one, uh, because uh, we, we measured it before the noise source. The noise was on the output signal, on the measurement. And so the derivative is really uh, still a bit noisy. And we can improve uh, the sensitivity for noise by choosing a lower bandwidth. 
on the other hand, if we make the bandwidth uh, 100, as we saw before, which gave a very good uh, reconstruction of the state, we see that, well, this is terrible. Huh? Nothing is, uh, is, is useful here. On the other hand, if we go to the situation where, uh, where Omega was 1, We see that uh, there's really too much uh, filtering, and uh, the derivative is also not, not good anymore. Yeah. So choosing proper parameters with some rules of thumb, you can do that. So uh, in general, a factor, no, I would say a factor 10 higher than the bandwidth of the system gives uh, a good estimate, but is already sensitive for noise. This was all about uh, descriptions, and finally the main goal of this course is to make uh, design of uh, control systems, so we continue now with state space design. The basic uh, system we consider is the, uh, the first order system in a form like this. Uh, the open loop description, x dot is ax plus bu, y c times x. And in the most ideal case, you don't have to rely on the output only. You suppose that you can measure all states, all the internal states of the system. So if you have a second order system, you cannot only measure the output, but also the derivative of the output or any other state, which is uh, usually if you have, have a, for instance, a, a robot you want to move, you can move the, measure the position, but you can also measure the speed of the, the motion. Okay. Well, that's indicated here by this uh, thick red line that you measure all the states fed it through a gain k which makes it a scalar signal again, add that with, to the scalar r and then you have uh, the input for the, uh, the original plan, so this is your control system with the gain in the feedback path I put the gain here as well uh, in most cases state feedback starts with uh, considering that the, the reference is zero and that you only have to uh, reduce uh, errors which are on the state x at t is zero. So that's the most simple way to consider things and suppose that, uh, that this signal is zero then k1 doesn't play a role. We come back to that later. So in the closed loop case you could say that the poles of the system are going to change and this k1 in case r is not zero you just need in order to, to take care that the uh, the, the system gained from R to, to Y is, uh, is 1. Hmm? Yeah. But if we look here, we see that with K, our gain, we can give the control system any dynamics we like. We can get, put the poles on any location we like. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Hmm? So, therefore tuning the, the gain k such that you have the poles on the desired location is called pole placement well that's quite easy you get the new A matrix A prime which is equal to A minus BK and when k is properly chosen A, A prime can get any desired eigenvalues uh, zeros cannot be changed the only thing you can do with zeros is using a pre-filter as we have seen before if you have problems with a zero you can put a pole outside the, the closed loop okay. but that can only be done with stable zeros if you have a non-minimum phase zero zero in the right half plane if you put a pole in the right half plane the system becomes unstable yeah. 
In this case, we consider the process we saw before net in the example of the state variable filter, very simple second order process. We add state feedback. We assume the reference indeed to be zero here. And please note that U is not the reference. The reference is the signal, is the output we want to have. U is just the input of the original process. And in this case, U is determined by the, the feedback mainly. We can uh, can write this system uh, in, in this form and say, well, we want to have it equal to a certain uh, description in a second order system with a certain bandwidth and a certain damping ratio. That means that we have, uh, in this case, two equations with two unknowns. Uh, we know uh, K prime, we know A, we know omega N because we selected omega N to be a certain value. Zeta of Z is uh, the, uh, the damping ratio. And K1 and K2 can be solved from this equation. Well, this is uh, just some uh, some simple calculations. I don't go through all of it, but here they are. This is the design choice. This is the process. And when we fill in everything, we find that K1 should be 4 and K2 should be 1.8. And when we do so, we have the desired behavior, which is not a surprise. And in order to, to get that we have uh, C over R1, if you, if you have a, a reference, uh, because we designed the whole system for reducing uh, errors on, uh, on X1 or X2, we need uh, the same gain here as there. And of course, this is K1, that's K2, so we have to repeat K1 here. Otherwise, we, uh, this is a reference, but, but C is never equal to the reference. Well, you can easily compute that. The problem with uh, state feedback is that uh, all states must be available. If that's not the case, you have a problem. Either you have to uh, to, to add more sensors. Uh, for instance, if you, you want to know the, the speed of a moving object, you need a, a speed measurement device. We have seen that before in, in designing uh, the control systems with Stago feedback. You, you have to measure the speed. There are sensors for that, but adding more sensors is, is expensive. You have to pay for each sensor. So if you could, uh, could do a kind of estimation, that would be better. So we have seen that the state variable filter, for instance, can be used to measure, to, to estimate derivatives of the output. There are other ways which are even better, but that's uh, that's the next course, so that's beyond the uh, the scope of this uh, lecture. So in this case, I will demonstrate the difference of a system with uh, pure state feedback, real state feedback, where you can measure the states, and where we apply a state variable filter. In this case, we use it for measuring both uh, the uh, for also for filtering the, the, the output of the, uh, the the process as well as generating estimating the derivative. So this is the same system. This is a this is a factor. So K1 and K2 are combined here in this element. You see that from the double line. And the state variable filter makes uh, x1 and x2 from just the measurement of uh, y, which is in this case equal to x1.
So as a first attempt, uh, we try uh, omega is 4 and we try omega is 20. Hmm? What do we see here? We see here the system with the, the real state feedback and the state feedback via the state variable filter. We see that's uh, certainly not very good. That's omega is 4. We had already seen that uh, 10 is, is probably a better value. So when we make this one 10, we see it improves a lot. And then the only difference is that we have a, a little bit more overshoot. But it's not a real bad response. And of course, if we go further, and let's say uh, 20 or 30 or something like that, it, it's, uh, it's, it's almost the same. But again, if you increase omega and there would be some noise, you are in trouble. Yeah. Well, in this case, we don't have noise, and uh, so we can do everything we, we like, in fact. So this uh, repeats uh, what we just saw. Feedback to the real states with omega n is 2 gives uh, a lot of, uh, of overshoot in the system with the uh, state variable filter. Uh, when we select uh, the value 20, well, it's already almost okay. So as a rule of thumb, if the bandwidth of the state variable fil filter is chosen 10 times larger than the bandwidth of the controlled process, we talk about a controlled process, so that's why Probably 20 was a better value here than 10. If you have an original process which you can assign a certain bandwidth, if you're going to control it, the bandwidth increases. And you are dealing with the control system in your state variable filter, in fact. But then the phase lag of the state variable filter is negligible. But this rule can only be applied when there is almost no noise on the measured Y if the is more noise, well, you have to, to make a compromise between better control, maybe lower gains. You, of course, you can lower the gains a little bit yeah. and the uh, disturbances by noise. In the course digital control engineering, there are more advanced solutions where you use really predictive state estimators. Uh, performance of a system, we have seen that before. We can express that in terms of bandwidth. Uh, that uh, relates to the speed of response. If the system has a high frequency bandwidth, it, it responds fast. So that's considered uh, to be a good system. Mostly that's also a system which is very powerful. Uh, pole locations, uh, that's, uh, we could say, well, I want to do pole placement. In fact, that's the same as assigning a certain bandwidth. But you can also de define it as an optimal control problem. You can do that in the other domains as well, but uh, optimal control has been mainly developed in the time domain. Uh, and in every every design, it's not only control design, every design is always a trade-off between certain elements, uh, the price, performance. When we concentrate on control systems, you could say that our goal is that the error should be small. Uh, reference changes should be perfectly tracked. But not at every price. Eh? That means that the control effort should be kept small. If you want to go with a, with, with a car from here to uh, to Amsterdam, eh? you want to be there as fast as possible. But there's, first of all, uh, there may be some fines if you drive too fast. But also the fuel consumption will increase if, if you go faster and faster. Yeah. 
So even if there would be no fines, maybe the, the price of fuel would prevent you from going uh, with a few hundred kilometers per hour. So that relates to the, the, the energy uh, you, you need for achieving your goal. Also the price of the equipment. If you want to drive very fast, you need a very expensive car. So that's another, maybe that's the main reason for most people not to, to drive very fast. Well, again, we consider the basic situation that uh, R is equal to zero and that we have initial disturbances of X or X or, or anywhere in the system and you want to d- diminish the influence of these disturbances in an optimal way. We, so we consider errors at T as zero in the state, any of the state variables X zero. And then X should be made small. And U should be kept small as well. U is the input energy. Well, in state space description, we consider the, the, the basic uh, state space uh, form. And the question is, find the feedback gain K such that J, which is a criterion, which is often a quadratic criterion, uh, is minimal. Well, because we are dealing with uh, vector and matrix, uh, matrices here, we have to write uh, this quadratic form, and in, in this form we, we say that, uh, in fact, you can read this as x squared, eh? and r times u squared, so q is a matrix, r is a, is a scalar. You have to select r, and you have to select q, where you punish, eh? you punish the, with q, you punish the error on the different state variables. This is a quadratic criterion. And in every optimization problem, you have a system description, you have adjustable parameters, and you have a criterion. And without one of these three elements, you can never make an optimal system. And you can never do optimization. If you don't know what's, what are you, what is being optimized, well, there's no optimal solution. But in case you know the description of the system, you know the uh, the knobs you can turn, okay. then if you also know what you want to achieve, you can find an optimal system. And some people say then, well, this is not the most optimal system, which is nonsense, eh? and optimal is best. Mm-hmm. The, the most best is, is, is nonsense. Be- best is best. Best is the best system. The optimal system is the system that minimizes this criterion. If you are not happy with the result, then your criterion was wrong. If you formulate the wrong criterion, because this criterion is not immediately something you, you relate to real life. Eh? If you, in the example of driving from here to Amsterdam, you don't say, oh, I minimize J. Eh? You have other things. Also, if you look at responses, you say, well, I want a fast response with not too much overshoot. Well, how to translate that to Q and R? Eh? That's another problem. We consider a very simple second order system where we only punish the, uh, the x1, so the, the, the position in an emotion system, so the first state. In that case, we have a very simple criterion in this form. And, uh, well, this is a quadratic form, but here we consider other possible criteria. So here we have the shape of x and u with certain, uh, certain feedback gains. 
Well, first of all, it's important that uh, positive and negative errors should be equally weighted. If you look here at the X1, if you just say that uh, we, we want to minimize the, uh, for instance, the, the, the surface below this curve, and also here, then a, a large overshoot would reduce the influence of this part. If you say this is positive and that's negative, the result would be zero, and, and that would be a reward for a large overshoot. We don't want that. So that means that we... Uh, and then the same, of course, with you, that the quadratic criterion fulfills that. And then this is punished, and that's punished, so it, this is adds to the punishment. The uh, absolute value is another choice. The main difference is that in the quadratic criterion, you punish uh, large errors more than small errors. Uh, this is not a good criterion. Well, the same, of course, with you, and also x x one to the third is the, the same problem as this one. It's not good. So the, these are useful criteria. And the same here. And depending on the, the method you use, you, you can think of other criteria. The, the reason that you mostly see in, uh, in solutions quadratic criteria is that analytically, quadratic criteria is very nice. So you can differentiate it. And with absolute values, you get uh, not so nice formulas. Yeah. As I said, a, a good optimization problem must be properly defined. So here we have a process, and when we say uh, find the feedback gains k1 and k2 such that x1 squared, the integral, is minimal, mm-hmm. this is not a well-defined optimization problem because this is the optimization problem that you say, well, I want to go from here to Amsterdam and I want that my error is very quickly as small as possible. So what what do you do? You you go like a rocket. Hmm? You, you try to be there in, in a second, hmm? which is not realistic, but it can only be done when your feedback gains go to infinity. There may be a certain ratio between the two, but they go to infinity. So you can only do such a problem as say, well, I put a limit on K1, which is, for instance, the motor motor power, the maximum value of U you know, and you say, well, I select K1 such that I never reach my maximum motor power. Then you can do such a thing. So if you redefine your problem given K1, find the feedback gain K2 such that this criterion is minimal, you have a good optimization problem. Well, when you do so, and you uh, you run your optimization, you can do that in different ways. There is some, a lot of theory. It's uh, it's explained in the, in the lecture notes, but also in the book of Dorf, eh, where you can uh, derive from Riccati equations, and you can... Uh, can use that in, in 20 sim directly the formulas or in, uh, in, in MATLAB. Yeah, there's even a command in MATLAB where that's accessible. It only works for quadratic criteria. Another way is hill climbing. We have seen that before when we used identification. Uh, it's a systematic search method for finding the, the top of a hill in the fog, in fact. Mm-hmm. You can use that in 20 sim as well. And one of the advantages is that any well-defined, well-chosen criterion can be used. In fact, we used that uh, last time for tuning the uh, the time constant in the uh, lag in, in the lead network. Hmm? 
So here we will uh, will use uh, hill climbing. That's this situation. We have e squared here, and well, in this case, I indicate that I can adjust two gains, k1 and k2. If you select k1 to be a fixed value, or if you give it a maximum, in fact, it uh, means that you are tuning k. So this demonstration uh, shows that, and we go to the simulator. Uh, let's first have a look at the parameters. So k2 is 0, k1 is 2, and we look at the optimization process, which is hidden here, here the multiple run properties. We want optimization. This, um, this method is mostly okay. Then we have two parameters. We give it, uh, give the parameters a maximum. So k1 is a minimum 1, maximum 25. k2 is between 0 and 4. And these are the nominal values. The uh, variable we are minimizing is the output of the block criterion. And we take the end value because we have the, the integral and the criterion itself. We can do the integration here as well. We draw during the simulation, start with the nominal value, and that's all we have to know. So this is the initial situation. And then we do the optimization. We see that the system is uh, becoming faster and faster. And if we look at the values, we see that K1 gets the value 25, which is the... Uh, the maximum value and k2 gets a value in this case 4 I think that was also the limit so we have to, to change that that limit and we can do that so we saw that this one goes to the maximum 4 so we make this, uh, this larger and do it once again well, the result is not much different, so 3.9. So apparently this was the correct value. We can also uh, fix now the value of k. So we say, well, we, uh, we had a value 25, so we select now the, the minimum here, also 25. Okay. And this one, nominal value is also 25. Next, next, next. So we, oh, this is without the optimization. Eh? So now we start with the the high gain K1, and we see that the uh, the optimization takes care that the system gets sufficient damping. Eh? We can make the uh, the nominal values lower. Let's make it uh, 10, and also limit it to to 10. So the K1 is now fixed. Eh? And when we do that, we see, well, it's getting a bit full, but this was the response we had before with K125. This was K110. We see that the damping remains the same. And that's typical for such a system when you freeze K1. Then the optimization say that this damping, which is about the damping of 0.5, maybe you look here, 
we have uh, 16% overshoot, which belongs to a, homo- a damping ratio of 0.5. That's typical for such a system. If we want further improvements, we have to uh, extend our criterion. So we close it and we summarize this first and look at different criteria. So we, we now have the integral square error criterion. Uh, you can also use the absolute value criterion and you can even add a T which means that you punish uh, errors in the on the longer term more than uh, on the short term. You accept that the transient, well, that there is an error that T is zero but when T goes to infinity you want the error to be zero. So this gives more weight on large errors. This gives more weight on steady state errors. And when we look at responses, this is the one we just saw with this 16% overshoot. If we use the absolute value, uh, there's less punishment here. So this gives, gives more damping. And this one goes, wants to go fast to, to smaller values. And the price you have to pay is the overshoot. And this is the, when you add a time, you see that this overshoot is already more heavily punished, so you get a little bit slower response because this is not that bad in the beginning, but at this time it's, it's worse. So this is a criterion which gives you really a nice response. So when we weight both X and U, all feedback gains may be optimized simultaneously because we don't get a proper op- defined optimization problem. We don't have to put a limit on K1 anymore. When we suppose that uh, Q, the Q matrix, is just one element punishing the, uh, the state 1, so we can leave out the Q and say, well, that's uh, E squared, and then lambda is a factor we can play with to, to see what happens uh, when we weight more the error or we weight more the steering. And you could expect yeah, that if you put more weight on... on if you make lambda larger, that puts more weight on uh, on u, mm-hmm. so u will become smaller, and when you have a smaller u, it will lead to a slower response. And of course, the opposite is true as well. So this is the same system again with k, k1 and k2 in the optimization. Now we have here the error e, which is uh, or the, the steering signal u. And the, uh, the state x1, which go to the criterion, and the output of the criterion is the integral. So the final value should be minimal in our optimization. Okay. This is the system we consider... And we first have a look at the value of lambda. Lambda is a very low value, yeah, so we don't uh, don't punish the, uh, the the steering signal too much. So we can expect uh, a relatively fast response. Uh, this is the initial response. I can even remove that and say, well, let's uh, have a look at the optimization. And we now see that we get uh, a good damping, and that we have optimized uh, the system. What happens if we uh, make lambda larger? So we make it first uh, 1. Mm-hmm. 
as could be expected, we get a slower system. And we can, of course, make the system faster by making lambda even more small, you know, 0.01. So that makes the system faster and increases the overshoot just a little bit. Not too bad, but there's a slight increase in the overshoot. Uh, well, the advantage of this uh, way of tuning is the computer does it for you, not only for second order systems, but also for higher order systems. The result is good. It's also a very robust result. If the parameters are going to change, uh, you... Uh, you have no problems. This automatically for a second order system, you have a phase margin in terms of frequency domain of a point of 70 degrees, which is uh, is good. Uh, the only problem is finding the proper criterion. But if you know how to translate your wishes into a criterion, the tuning is uh, is, is uh, very very easy in fact because the computer does that for you. Yeah. So this summarizes the responses. So far, we had systems where we had an, uh, an integrator in the, uh, the open loop system. And then you can guarantee that for step inputs, the, uh, and for step size disturbances at the output, the error goes to zero. In such a system where you have a, a type zero system with no integrator, you can't guarantee that. So the, you, if we uh, consider the optimization here, we will see that uh, that the error is getting smaller, but doesn't converge to uh, to zero. So when we run the optimization here, we see well the values are not that important. That from an initial situation where we had uh, after the disturbance at t is 10 seconds, yeah. this this error we. we come to a better situation, but we, we still have a steady state error. What can we do? We can give more punishment on uh, on the error. So if we look here what kind of parameters uh, we have here in the criterion, we have lambda. So we, uh, we can increase this, uh, decrease this, which is the, uh, the, the punishment on U is, uh, is decreased. So that gives more weight on the, uh, on the error. And do the optimization again and see that uh, that certainly helps. But it, it, it never goes to zero. So we have to add an integrator in this case. That's the only way to solve the, uh, the problem. Uh, when we add an integrator, that means that in this case we add the integrator in the controller. This is the controller with, with uh, K1 and K2. We also have a K3 now, which is the integral uh, gain in the PID type of controller. Uh, and this is just an extra state. Well, if we do that, we can transform the system into a situation that we uh, we just have three gains now. This was the original situation with only K1 and K2 is the disturbance. And now after optimization, including K3, which is the same lambda is 0.01, we see that the uh, the error goes to, to zero. At the price of a small overshoot here, because the integral the doesn't improve the, uh, the stability.
And when we had the situation we saw before, Lambda is uh, 0.001. Indeed, overshoot is uh, slightly bigger, but the uh, the final uh, final error is very quickly going to zero. Well, some discussion about reference unequal to zero. Yeah, well, we did that already before, but we have a process. We have state feedback gains. We assume a disturbance here at t is zero and arrow being e the reference being equal to zero. If that's not the case, we need uh, just uh, the first element of the, the, the gain matrix. If that relates to the output variable, we have to see that here again in order to make the steady state uh, situation uh, going to, to the steady state gain going to, to 1. So you can also consider that in a different way that you say well all the uh, all the feedback of the derivative is, uh, is implemented here so I take out the first element of k here and I put that in the forward path so I combine the, the k1 from this one and that one into this block and don't put this one in the reference path, but in the error path. And then it, it's more like a, like a standard control system where you have just uh, taken this one out of the, the vector here. Well, this is a third order system. Well, in fact, it's something we have seen before. I would say play with that yourself. And look at the results. In this case, we assume that this is a realistic situation, that we are able to measure uh, the angle, the velocity, and, for instance, the, the, the current you, you get out of an, uh, an amplifier. Yeah. So it, it can be done also with real measurements. It's not a theoretical story. But in most cases, you want to combine that with a kind of, uh, of state optimization. And the, pros, the, the parameters you can find in the, in the example of the S-plane design. Well, these are some responses which you can do with uh, just with the first one. The red one is the proportional gain. Yeah, and with different values of lambda, you can, can play with the responses. And well, you have to look, at course, of course, at uh, what kind of, uh, of current is needed to achieve this performance. Yeah. And, and that's the price you have to pay for uh, for a faster, better response. Conclusions. State feedback that allows the poles to be placed at any desired location. And that's the case we use state feedback. And then the big thing of state feedback is that you, uh, you can achieve any A matrix you want. Yeah. The A matrix is completely under control. Well, because... Especially if you go to matrix representations and more complex systems. In these examples, I have played with uh, second and mostly third order systems to keep things simple. But it can be a, a higher order system. Well, that calls for computer support. Eh? Because playing with a second uh, a two by two matrix is not so much a problem doing it by hand. But it is a tenth, uh, ten by ten matrix. Well, it's not really fun anymore. It requires that all state variables are available or can be estimated. Hmm? 